Good morning. My name is Ron Johnson. I am uh, on the leadership team here at Evergreen. Uh, we're taking a break from our Proverbs uh, Pro Tips series today. Elise and Julie actually will be finishing that up with chapters 30 and 31 in the next couple of weeks. And then, believe it or not, it is Advent. My goodness. Today we'll be talking about why we need a shepherd, and I say we're talking because I hope the Holy Spirit is talking in this room. In fact, let's ask for just that. Dear Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would come into this place and fill the spaces of our mind, the spaces of our heart, Lord, and change our mindset, change our heart in ways that only the Holy Spirit can. And we ask this in the name of Jesus, amen. So several months ago, Peggy and I returned from, from Europe, and if you've ever flown back from Europe, you're, you're basically flying with the sun and you're up for like 20 hours and sleeplessness becomes an issue uh, when you're trying to get back into your uh, routines. And I was told as a kid that if you're having trouble falling asleep, you count sheep jumping over a, a, a fence. Has anybody heard that? Uh, it's a thing. It's, it's got its, Wicca, its own Wikipedia page. Nonetheless, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> but I did a lot of thinking about sheep as I was preparing for this uh, sermon, and I decided to, to put in my search bar, my Bing search bar, not Google. We're in Microsoft country, right? So my Bing search bar. How many times are sheep mentioned in the Bible? And it turns out sheep are mentioned over 500 times. And it varies a little bit between one translation to the next. But sheep are mentioned more than any other animal in the Bible. So why all this focus on sheep? Well, I thought that's why we should talk about this this morning. So what's the most famous verse in the Old Testament about sheep? You just heard it, right? Psalm 23, let's say that together. The Lord is my shepherd, yes. So I've got some good news and I've got some bad news. The good news is Almighty God is our shepherd. The creator of the universe is on our side. He's looking out for us. He's guiding us. That's really, really good news. Now the bad news is uh, that's us. We're the sheep in the story. <clears throat> So why is it bad news? Well, let me illustrate. Hunting season is upon us, and you never hear about Uncle Bob wanting to go sheep hunting, right? I mean, he wants a whole weekend to hunt, and if he was hunting sheep, they're pretty vulnerable, so you'd be back by about 8 o'clock on Friday. That wouldn't work. If you've ever, ever been to a circus, you can confirm there's no sheep there. Turns out sheep are way too stubborn to do anything, be trained to do anything entertaining. And if you've gone to the fair or a petting zoo, looked into the eyes of a sheep, if that sheep wasn't chewing, you'd swear that animal was brain dead, right? Not the, not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. One more, before shearing season, it's common for, you know, sheep get so fluffy they fall over and they can't get back up. And, and they have no fingers, you see, so they can't press the button on the life alert, right? <laughs> Help, I can't get up. <laughs> I could go on, but you get it. Sheep are vulnerable, stubborn, sometimes stupid, helpless. Sheep desperately need a shepherd, and, and so do we. And yet we have the freedom to choose, don't we? We don't have to listen to the shepherd. We don't have to stay with the flock. We can even find another shepherd voice to speak into our life, a false shepherd. 
So here's really essentially two ways to be a sheep. You can live life with the flock, with the shepherd, or live life without the flock, without the shepherd. And let's start there, without the flock. Matthew 9, 35, 36 says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Distressed and dispirited. Another way to say this is worried and discouraged. Does this sound like anybody you know? Does this sound perhaps like a season in your own life? Well, of course it does. We all have seasons where we are worried and discouraged. Four or five years ago, I was, I was in a season like this. I was having some trouble at work, and I'd wake up at night and not be able to get back to sleep. I felt this oppressive anxiousness at different times of the day for no, for no apparent reason at all. And I knew God loved me and he was in control and was blessing me and all of that, but I just could not quite shake it. Seemed like a spiritual attack. So one Sunday during communion, they had offered prayer. So I made a beeline to where they were praying and I saw Pastor Julie and I said, hey, I've got this oppressive anxiousness. Will you pray for me? And she did. And after that, um, I gradually felt that oppression leave, and it never came back to that level of severity or, or frequency. Now, the church can sometimes minimize the complexities of anxiety and panic attacks, and I certainly do not want to do that. And I'm not saying that, well, if you just uh, say a simple prayer, everything is fine. Not saying that at all, but it did happen to me. Sometimes prayer is just what the good shepherd has ordered. And that's why we offer prayer after every service. So if you're feeling distressed or dispirited, if you're experiencing a spiritual struggle of any kind, please pray with us. Let us pray with you. And, and find a small group where you can pray with and for each other. Here's the key takeaway for me from Matthew. I can't imagine trying to live life without a flock and without the shepherd. I mean, life has enough challenges. Why not get the support of a flock and the support of a shepherd? Moving on, Jeremiah was a prophet in ancient Israel around 600 B.C. Despite his ministry of 40 years, there were a lot of people turning their back on God's plan, and as a result, a lot of bad consequences. In chapter 50, he says this, "'My people have been lost sheep.'" Their shepherds have led them astray, turning them away on the mountain. From mountain to hill they have gone. They have forgotten their fold. So here we see false shepherds at work, not the true shepherd, but false shepherds. If you don't want to follow the true shepherd, it's easy to get led to places with bad consequences. Notice the sheep are no longer in their fold. Another version says, the sheep are no longer in their resting place. That's the opposite of what we heard in Psalm 23, right? Where the Lord is our shepherd, he makes us lie down, he restores our soul. So without this, without this true shepherd looking out for us, <clears throat> sheep are known to wander away and get lost. 
Now, I grew up on a farm, and I have one connection to sheep as a kid, and I'll tell that story later, but we did have uh, lots of cattle. I, I grew up raising cattle, and what I learned was animals like cows and, and sheep too basically need three things, food, water, and a well-fenced-in area to live. One year, I was a teenager, and I got a new cow. It was actually a steer, but I don't have a slide for that. Um, this new cow was, you'll get it on the way home, this new cow was uh, very wild. It did not want to be tamed. It did not want to stay uh, in the herd. <clears throat> on the second night I had it, or early on in the first week or so, I guess, um, it decided to jump the fence and leave the other cows behind. I remember it was a Sunday night and we were coming back from church actually. Uh, it was dark. We lived out in the country and suddenly the car in front of us slammed on the brakes and pulled over. And as we were passing by, I said, was that a cow laying on the side of the road? Well, when we got home, the phone was ringing and it was a neighbor who wanted to know if we were missing a cow. So I ran to the corral where it was supposed to be and it wasn't there. That crazy, stubborn, stupid cow jumped the fence and got hit by the car right in front of us. So here's, here's the big idea from Jeremiah 50. We are meant to stay together. Isolation and separation can be dangerous. Let's look at one more before we shift gears. Uh, Zechariah was another prophet in ancient, ancient Israel about 100 years after Jeremiah. He was encouraging people to return to their faith in God, and his book is the second to last in the Old Testament. Zechariah 10.2 says this, for the household gods utter nonsense, and the diviners see lies. They tell false dreams and give empty consolation. Therefore, the people wander like sheep. They are afflicted for lack of a shepherd. Well, if, if God is not your shepherd, if Jesus is not your shepherd, who will be? I mean, you're going to still look for people, someone or something to speak into your life, to give you advice and guidance. Maybe it's a friend, a cool new book, a podcast, your boss. I mean, there's just dozens and dozens of good and bad voices in culture that are speaking into our lives all the time, even today, perhaps even right now. <clears throat> but Zechariah is saying that if these voices are not aligned with the one true God, Affliction might be the result. Zechariah says, household gods utter nonsense and diviners see lies. Diviners are false prophets. So if you listen to fake gods and false prophets, the result is empty consolation. So when you're trying to console somebody, what are you trying to do? You're trying to alleviate their grief. So if Jesus is not your true shepherd, is not being your shepherd, your grief will likely not be dealt with in the way that God wants to help you through your grief. Remember again from Psalm 23, God leads you by still waters, and the still waters can comfort us when we're grieved as opposed to the raging waters that seem to be all around us in our culture today. So what thing in your house utters nonsense and lies sometimes? Give you a hint, it's a rectangle, it's probably flat, probably hangs on your wall, right? Well, if you watch TV news or, or broadcast, a, a TV a broadcast or, or news feeds, and I don't endorse it, uh, you'll hear story after story of people in affliction. And then you start saying to yourselves, why is there so much affliction in this world? 
Now, I'm sure this doesn't explain all the affliction by no means, so don't, don't get me wrong, but could it be that some people are following the wrong shepherd? Maybe they're experiencing the affliction that Zechariah is warning us about in this verse. You've heard of the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S. These are people when asked about the religion on a form, check the box, none. Now, there could be political reasons at play for why that box is checked, but some may be openly, openly admitting they're not following God as their shepherd. They may not believe in God, which is the definition of an atheist, or they, they just don't think God is relevant to their life, and we call those folks uh, agnostics. Frank Turek wrote a great book with a great title. It's called, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. If you're looking to strengthen your skills on how to explain your faith to others, this is a great book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. He says, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, most people are not on a truth quest. They're on a happiness quest. And they find enough spurts of happiness or at least distracting entertainment that they don't seek the truth about God and the Bible. So he suggests we ask an atheist or an agnostic person this question. If Christianity were proven true beyond a shadow of a doubt, would you become a Christian? Well, someone on a truth quest will likely say, well, if it's beyond a shadow of a doubt, yes. The agnostic might say no, or folks on a happiness quest will likely just say no and continue in their quest for pleasure and entertainment. What do you say to somebody like that? I mean, it would take a hundred sermons to fully answer that question, but here's a great quote you can share with them from the great theologian Jim Carrey. He says, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they've ever dreamed of so that they will know it's not the answer. And if you've been following uh, Kanye West's in, uh, story in the recent months, he would probably agree wholeheartedly with that statement, wouldn't he? So wait a minute, getting everything I, dream, I can dream of, is, is that's not the answer? Well, if that's not the answer, what is? Let's talk about life with the flock and with the shepherd. Psalm 123 says this, Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. So whether people realize it or not, God made us, and we are his, and he calls us his sheep, and this planet that he's given us, well, that's our pasture. But why does God uh, like to think of us as sheep? Well, you remember the list. Uh, sheep are helpless, vulnerable, stubborn, sometimes stupid. We obviously need a shepherd, and God desperately wants to be that shepherd to us. He wants us to hear his voice. He wants us to stay in proximity to him. He wants us to stay together as a flock. The bottom line is, is this. God made us, we are his, and this planet is our pasture. 
Now, Acts 20 has a very sobering message for the church, and it's another reason why we need to stay together. Paul is, is talking to the church leaders in Ephesus. He later writes a letter to them called the Ephesians. But in Acts uh, 20, uh, Acts 20, 29 through 30, it says this, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. One of the main reasons I've uh, stayed in the Covenant Church my entire life is this denomination's focus on keeping Scripture the main thing. Uh, this church was founded on the question, where is it written in the Bible? We must remain committed to using the Bible as our source of truth because Paul in Acts 20 says, the sheep and the shepherds have enemies, and it's not just wolves, it's vicious wolves. It says, not sparing the flock, which means we will be attacked. Now, is this, are these attacks going to come with knives and guns and clubs? No, it says the, the attack is going to come in the form of the truth getting distorted in our minds and us wandering away from the flock. Do you know family or friends who used to be a part of a church body but now are no longer? Do you ever wonder what happened? Did the truth get twisted and distorted? Why were they drawn away from the flock? Maybe you can connect with them and um, in a lovingly way at Thanksgiving time um, ask, ask uh, or remind them that God is not asking people to put their faith or trust in a church or in another human being or a pastor. Jesus is the only one worthy of that, the true shepherd. So remember, remember this, church. We have a role to play in helping lost sheep get found. Because there are so many stories in the Bible about sheep getting lost, aren't there? In fact, we sang a, a, a truth a little bit too close to home and come thou fount. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Matthew 18, 12 says, what do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? Thank God we have a shepherd who will go after us when we wander. Luke goes on in his gospel to tell a little more detail about the same story. Luke 15, 6 says this, And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, I have found that sheep that was lost. So finding that lost sheep is, the reason, is a reason to have a big party. But why, why is the shepherd carrying the lost sheep? Do you ever wonder that? Why was the sheep having to be carried on his shoulders? Perhaps the sheep was rebellious and resistant, like a parent hugging a kid, having a temper tantrum. Perhaps the sheep was wounded. Oh, sure, the shepherd saved the sheep's life, but the wolf did some damage. Perhaps the shepherd broke the sheep's leg with his staff to keep it from wandering off. 
Apparently, that was a practice in those days. Have you ever been lost? You take a look around at your situation and you say, I don't, I don't see anybody that is part of God's flock. I don't see the shepherd. I don't even hear the shepherd. Rest assured, if you have put in your faith in God, the shepherd is going to find you. And here's the big idea. We have a shepherd who will do whatever it takes to save us. Now, we need to uh, wrap up this sheep sermon and come full circle with the sheep analogy. Jesus is not only our shepherd. Jesus became one of us. Jesus became a sheep. You remember the movie, The Passion of Christ? It's the Mel Gibson movie that came out in 2004, and it was a movie about Christ's last few days here on earth. The Bible actually predicted the storyline with remarkable accuracy. 800 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, wrote basically the script to the movie, talking about what would happen when Jesus became a sheep. Isaiah 53, 5 through 7. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Well, as I uh, said, uh, I have one story about a sheep on, on our farm, and I literally led that sheep to slaughter. There was a 4-H kid whose sheep did not make weight, so it didn't get sold at the fair, and my dad felt sorry and bought the sheep, and we brought it home for a couple of months to fatten it up. Then the day came for the butcher to show up, and for some reason, I was the only one that saw the truck pull in, so I went outside to see who it was, and Sure enough, it was uh, the butcher, and he, you know, asked as he was sharpening his knife, hey, can you get the sheep? I go, oh, well, no problem. I mean, the sheep trusted me. I'd been feeding it yummy grain for a couple of months, so I just had to open the gate and kind of gently walk it over to the butcher and say, here you go. And I won't go into uh, much more detail other than to say I saw the white wool turn crimson red. And I was a farm kid, so I'd seen this type of thing a couple of times, but it strikes me in the Easter season when we read from that passage in Isaiah 53. I'm reminded how I both literally led a sheep to slaughter and how figuratively, by my sins, I led Christ, the Lamb of God, to slaughter. But we have good news. We have a shepherd who laid down his life to cover a debt for us that we could not pay. That's the good news today. If you do not know about this good news, please come see me afterwards. I'd love to explain, uh, explain it more. So church, we need a shepherd. And let me close with a word of encouragement and application. Your staff and leadership team at here at Evergreen want the flock here to be a flourishing flock. 
And let me be clear, the staff, the pastors, the leadership team, we are not the shepherds. Certainly we want to reflect the shepherd and we want to help the shepherd shepherd, but Jesus is the only true shepherd. We want this to be a safe and holy place for sheep to gather. Come as you are, but please don't leave as you came. Belong to this community of seekers and followers of Christ. Become who God wants you to become. How? Take advantage of the ways to grow in your faith. And engage. Find a place to serve in your area of giftedness and interest. Belong, become, engage. So we ask you in this time of transition at Evergreen, stay in the flock and help us stay focused on Scripture. We have a shepherd who loves us so we can love others. And that's exactly how the flock at Evergreen will flourish. May God bless our flock. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for a chance to gather here, for the freedom to do so. And we thank you for being that sheep led to slaughter on our behalf so we could have a right relationship with you. Thank you, thank you for your love and your mercy and help us realize that in a new way this morning. May it fill our hearts with gratitude and may we respond out of gratitude as we interact with others. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen.